Welcome back to the PCS Podcast, your home for all things competitive Pokemon TCG. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to be going over a little bit of the Portland Regional uh, MetaShare preview, whatever we're going to be walking into at this weekend's event. Talk a little bit about some news regarding Cups and Challenges. We have a brief card spotlight, and then we're going to finish up with a listener question and our predictions for the Portland regional i am your host drew and with me as always is justin and justin how are you doing today buddy i'm doing great it's been a little while since we've uh gotten together and talked some pokemon but uh since we last talked i attended a couple challenges including one this last weekend where i uh technically went undefeated and won the whole thing but uh local buddy is going for his world's invite and i am not so um I scooped to him in the finals and let him have it, even though I technically beat him. He was just like, really? And I'm like, you got it, man. So that was pretty cool. He was super excited about that um, and pulled some cool cards, traded for some stuff I need for some retro decks, had a great time playing Pokemon. How are you doing, Drew? I'm good. Uh, I actually attended my very first League Challenge ever. Uh, I didn't win, but I took third, and I was very, very happy with that finish. Uh just a brief story, and I know some people on the Patreon have kind of heard this already, uh, but when I walked into the shop, I had a, a little bit of time to kind of write down a deck list and uh, get it submitted. I had a deck pre-built for best of three and one for best of one, and they said it was best of three when I first walked in, so I wrote down all the cards I needed for that list. I went, kind of walked around, and... Uh, like talked to some friends, used the restroom, came back, and they announced to everybody it's best of one, and I was bummed out because I really felt like I had the sauce for a best of one format. But you know, everyone's there, super cool. It wasn't like a super large attendance, so it wasn't like pushing everybody pack past like dinner time or anything like that. And uh, they let me change my list, and it ended up being the spice that I needed to secure uh, that finish. And you know, I know a lot of people listen to this podcast thinking like I'm. Um, all knowing and and all that fun stuff, but that's my first time ever getting CP, ever. So <laughs> that's kind of cool. I Congrats! Was, uh, yeah, pretty stoked on that. Go me, I know, because uh, I started during COVID, so there wasn't CP events during all that time. So that was a really cool feeling for me. But then it was shortly uh, followed up by uh, me having to repair my computer. We didn't have an episode last week because my computer was uh, broken. Ended up having to replace the motherboard, according to what YouTube and all the forums said. Uh, 180 bucks later, and uh, we're cooking again. So uh, happy to be back, happy to be talking about some Pokemon. And that just about wraps it up. Oh, and I guess I'm preparing for the Portland Regional this weekend too. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah, that'll, <clears throat> that'll be a fun experience. Uh, hopefully you can get some more CP at this one too. It's just a day two if any kind would be sick. I don't even care if I scrub out round one, dude. <laughs> I just like... <laughs> I just want to be there. I just want to do it. They did announce that there's going to be a Premier Cup the day after at um, at the event, so you have to sign up Sunday morning for that. So in the event that I scrub out, I'll definitely going and uh, playing that because I don't come back to uh, come back home until Monday. So that'll be cool. Yeah, I, I love that they finally decided to bring those back um, because pre-COVID, that's how regionals used to be. If you didn't make day two, well, you still had a chance by playing in a cup. So. Yeah, I'm glad to see those are coming back, and hopefully that's at every regional going forward. 
I tend to agree because it'd be really cool to do that in Fresno as well. But that's not going to happen because I'm going to make day two, so everything's fine. Exactly, day two. Uh, Yeah, but uh, speaking of Portland regionals, uh, we don't have any uh, results to talk about. But we do have the MetaShare study that we'll dive into first. You know, looking at online events and this wonderful chart uh, given to us by uh, Justin Basil, uh, you know, fantastic stuff they got going over over there they get collect all the data for good finishes and you know most played decks and stuff like that and make it really easy for guys like us to just kind of look at pictures and talk about it but when you're looking at the top archetypes you're uh seeing that tier one is your lost box your guard of orex and your mu v max your tier two consists of hizuian gudra v star giratina v star with arceus and giratina v star with comfy uh the lost zone box if you will and then tier three being the very heavy hitting Lugia V Star and the Duraladon V Max. I guess you can kind of say it's featuring Arceus, but it's usually just Arctura for sure. You know, Lost Box has a lot going for it. You know, Mirage Gate's incredibly strong, and then if you're not using Mirage Gate, Sable's Art is just very, very consistent. Unfortunately, a lot of decks are teching in more than one Lost City to kind of handle that kind of stuff because the getting attacked into by a Charizard on back to back turns really sucks. Um, Sableye spreading a lot of uh, damage counters right now. Not a lot of healing cards like Hyper Potion existing. Um, and then Mu V Max running four path itself makes it near Drapion proof, but not entirely. Uh, what do you have to say about this uh, the tier one, the S tier, if you will? Yeah, uh, I actually pretty much agree with it. I think Gardevoir EX is, is incredibly strong. Um, I'm a big fan of the deck. I didn't play it at this most recent challenge. Just because uh, the one before that, I mean, seemed like everyone and their mothers was playing the deck, so kind of turned me off for just a minute because it is so strong and everyone was playing it. But um, Lost Box, those variants are just so strong. Unfortunately, we're not seeing in super high incredible results from it, but I think it just hasn't had the right matchups, and we've only seen really one event being EUIC uh, with, uh, with this format. Um, so I think going forward, we'll probably see a lot more. And of course, the Mu V Max is always just a—it's a huge swinger. Every time that um, someone tries to say, "Oh, it's going to be horrible next format," and it just comes back out, it's super strong. Like you said, the four path being able to just shut people off from setting up is so good, so strong. The numbers it hits—it's um, I mean, really good. I will say though, uh, and I know we're going to talk about it when we get to tier two, the Hisuian Gudra V Star—that's um, number four, but the first one in the tier two—I think honestly should probably be in the tier one as well. That just seems like such an overall good play, in my opinion. But I think that could almost even be considered Tier 1 if you were asking me what I would change to this list at the moment. Uh, the only thing that Hizuian doesn't have going... Uh, Hizuian Gudra doesn't really have going for it is uh, that extra level of consistency it needs. It's one of the few Lost Zone decks right now that features an evolution. And, you know, in, in a deck where you're parting ways with components of the deck for you know the entirety of the game uh it's really hard to kind of make those decisions and when it's the right time to put down the basic to eventually turn into um, the evolution to kind of lock your opponent out of the game there isn't a whole lot of um tech against hisuian gudra other than like rope boss and because of vulpix now gardevoirs are more likely to run ropes than anything you know muse run rope uh pretty consistently lost box right now losing scoop up net needs all the switch cards that it can get 
So that's probably the only thing really dragging Hazui and Gujra down is that that play is a lot more common than it used to be. Uh, but other than that, man, I, I'm a big Gudra believer. I really do think that the Lost Box version is now the best version of it because of the uh, lack there of Hyper Potion in this format. Uh, but it's tanky. It's got a lot going for it. And if the Dragonite Switch Boss Lost Zone Box wasn't so good, I would say that Hazui and Gudra V-Star would be, you know, in that Tier 1 conversation. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and that's that is true. There is so many ropes in the format that that yeah, it does kind of hinder the um, the tankiness of it. Some so yeah, I guess I can agree with that as well. Um, I just I see it doing so well um, in local events, and then you know just the fact that most lists are playing now double Drapion as well too um, is great to hit into the Mu V maxes and things like that because you know Mirage Gate things even if they are under path. No, I tend to agree. And Hizumi and Gujra is really cool because you can have that one of uh, Articuno that does the wild freeze that paralyzes them, brings them down to the V-star math that you need to do to actually take knockouts on things and freeze your opponent for a turn and force them to have the switch out. Uh, but you can also tech in the uh, Crown Zine and Samazenta that hits 220. Once a Pokemon's been knocked out, it uses the same energy um throughout the deck so there's a lot of consistency there and it doesn't get knocked out by cramorant which is also very cool um it, it definitely has some room and some potential but if you're running a 3-3 line of gudra it's more or less what did you have to cut out to stay consistent with your evolutions and that's why it kind of falls uh but you'll notice a trend in this tier two if you will um gudra being very tanky high hp giratina and rcs v-star both sharing very similar qualities uh having access to things like sharon's care makes it very annoying for lost box flavored things to deal with rcs but at the same time like you know you're putting all these v-star pokemon in play and opening up the sky steel stone play for the gardevoir ex but you kind of outpace your opponent if you have things like you know the turn one double turbo energy or the sharon's care to withstand like a poke attack so that they don't have to put so much energy on that Zacian. Um, to do the three prize play on the V-Star Pokemon. So it's got things going for it. The Giratina V-Star with the Comfy, yes, you have no weakness. You have 280 HP, and you can delete something completely off the board. But I think it shares the same issue that Hisui and Guja runs into, where, yes, it's tanky and rarely gets one hit knocked out. But at the same time, you've got no healing. You've got nothing really stopping your opponent from just Sky Seal Stoning and chasing after single prizes the rest of the game yeah i i actually i like the the tier two as well um i i think it's incredibly accurate i personally played the giratina v star uh gear or arctina this weekend um as a literally last minute medical i whenever i got there i was like oh these people play lost box and uh mu v max and i hit literally all lost box and mu v max whenever i was there which was the perfect medical um but it like you said, if I were to hit something like um, the Gardevoir, that would have been a bad day for me because they're taking extra prizes as well as they can just accelerate energies constantly. So, um, yeah, it, it's a very strong deck, but like you said, I do think it has that weakness caveat to it of being uh, two prizers whenever the the Sky Sealstone is floating around so heavily in Gardevoir EX right now. Um, and then, yeah, I like you said as well, too, with the Lost Box, with the, the Stage 2s, whether it be the Giratina or Su and Gudra, I can see where that can be just a hair too slow um, for you know what it needs to do. So um, I think it's a, still a solid tier two, especially in this format, which is um, slowed down quite a bit. Um, and 
a lot more enjoyable to play. But yeah, still, you know, it's going to be a bad matchup if you go into any of those tier one decks, I think. I tend to agree. And then looking at tier three, and tier three is not the bad tier by any means. It's just they're seeing less play. They have less, you know, favorable matchups and so on and so forth. And we're going to start with Lugia V-Star. The single strike package right now seems to have evolved quite a bit. You know, people are teching in the single strike Eveltal. If you put the, you know, single strike energies on that bad boy, it can hit that 150-160 number uh, to knock out Mew VMAX, trade a single prizer out for uh, three prizes, which is super sick. Uh, don't really need to play the Drapion, which is such an uncomfortable start for that deck in the first place. But the recent tech has been the one single striker Ishifu uh, V and the one single striker Ishifu V Max. Because your auto loss is Duraludon. You know, you're not playing Path in this deck. You're not playing, you know, Canceling Cologne, if that's even a, a tech in Lugia anymore. Um, but you need to be able to swing through everything in G Max. One blow takes care of your Zui Gujra V Star, and it also handles your Duraludon V Max. So there is a lot of stuff going for it there. Uh, you know, we saw nine card TCG be the first person to pilot that in almost two formats ago. So it's sick to see that come full circle. But I think that that is also one of the drawbacks to Lugia is for you to have favorable matchups against things like Gudra and Duraludon. You're putting in a three prize liability in the form of single strike Urshifu. So, you know, Lugia definitely evolving at some point, but it's also getting very uh, beat sticky, if you will. And then Duraludon VMAX. You know, the best versions of it right now have the 1-1 one, one, uh, Vulpix, and people are finding ways to get around that. Um, your 100% win, if they don't have the Urshifu VMAX, is Lugia, and if you really don't want to lose to Lugia, then yeah, play Duraludon for sure, but um, that can't be your only good matchup. You know, the 220 Shred against Zui and Gujra V-Star is also great. Um, Mew VMAX plays Path now, and I think Gardevoir EX just kind of eats that deck up alive, so... Duraludon's a really sketchy call right now, unless you're playing the Vulpix. Yeah, I I 100% agree. Um, I I really do think Lugia actually is probably a little lower than I expected personally. Um, I do think the deck is still really str- really strong. Um, I don't personally play it at the moment, but I've been meaning to put a lot of testing in with it because it does seem to have quite a good variety of attackers. I have seen quite a bit of the Urshifu coming back in, but I still think Duraludon is a, that like we saw in EUIC might be a better partner just because if you do happen to go into a mirror match you can potentially wall off other Lugias at least early game until they get their Urshifu set up of course but um, it is just kind of interesting to see it evolve and it's it's kind of getting back to, like we've talked about that meta where it's like only one or two cards are changing and that's the new broken Lugia list so I think maybe we'll see something come out at Portland where it's like the new one of inclusion or two of inclusion and that makes the deck back to tier two or tier one again um but yeah just you know archaeops ability is so incredibly strong that lugia is going to stay around in the whole time that it's in you know in rotation and then like you said Duraldon v max it's a really cool card we're both Duraldon fans here um we love to see it do well but i do think it's just with the lack of special energies in the format other than lugia itself uh, or the lugia matchup um, I just don't think there's enough for it to be in a higher spot because a lot of decks are playing either Path or Basic Energies, um, which get right around Duraldon itself. So um, love the card, but I just don't think it's the right meta for it to be, you know, Tier 2 or Tier 1 for sure. No, I tend to agree. You know, like 
Draladon's got a lot going for it. 220 shred is great for the fringe. Um, you know, if you're, uh, what's a really funny interaction is, you know, Draladon has its ability and, you know, what is it? The Vulpix, if you're, you know, obviously playing something resembling the mirror, uh, stops Pokemon with abilities from attacking into it. But the 220 shred means you just attack through the Vulpix. So it's a necessary evil to have because Lugia at the same time, uh, if you're out of T-Tar, you know, that one one Draladon might save your butt in matchups that you didn't think you needed it for. Um, the Arceus Giratina, you know, they play four path and four judge. So it's like Duraludon's going to struggle against decks like that. And if you're struggling against tier two, it's going to be very unlikely for you to kind of climb back up into that tier one conversation. So maybe Duraludon's not the safe play for right now, but having 330 HP and no weakness is always kind of sick. Yeah, exactly. Tanky. Are there any decks in this format that you think could be at least in the tier three conversation? Oh, man. Realistically. Um, I was about to say, you talking realistically or like a hopium for people? Cause, um, I would call it hopium, but I would say like in a best of three format going into a regional, what do you think could be like the sneaky play or the, maybe even just the sneaky tech that exists in any of these, you know, tier one through three decks? Um, I mean, we're going to insert, obviously, Maridon in the conversation. I don't think by any means that deck is um, got the longevity in play to, you know, be in these high tiers. But if someone, obviously, is having a hot run streak, it can hang with all these decks. But um, just from my testing with Maridon, um, it has an explosive start. And this is what you hear everyone say, too. Um, but it has such an explosive start. But then it just kind of, as the game goes on, it just kind of loses momentum, loses momentum. Um, so like I said, if someone's having like a run hot day, it can hang with all these decks, no problem. So that's where people will want to insert into this conversation. But then that's why I called it Hopium, because they're hoping that they're going to have that run hot streak day. Um, whereas realistically, it's probably closer to lower tier three, um, if not even tier four, because it is a very strong deck, but you have to hit things constantly to do that. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on Maridon? Um, I think Maridon has a lot of gas, but like you said, it plateaus incredibly quick. Uh, I think the best version of it right now features the 1-1 Magnazone V-Star line. Uh, the Magnazone is just so powerful with its V-Star ability. It's like the only V-Star ability you would really want in this deck, aside from Forest Hill Stone, being able to do 90 damage to two Pokemon. Um, and it's it's sneaky too, because it's first attack with the Magnazone V. If you get two energy attached to it, you grab something off of the bench and you do 40 damage to it. Now, if that Pokemon you grab is the Manaphy, you're setting up your second turn very handsomely and knocking out the Manaphy giving yourself the ability to potentially do that 90-90 uh, bench damage, putting you up three prizes in the perfect sequence, obviously, and then you just kind of clean up the board with your Mirrodons and your Aikus going from there. Being able to attack on your very first turn going second is something every deck wants to do, right? Uh, so it's something you don't necessarily need to tech for, but you need to be aware of. Uh, it definitely has fallen off in terms of online play, but I think that that's just because, you know... It doesn't have that high of a skill ceiling. It's very easy to pilot, and people, I would hope, are in the learn to play it, learn to beat it mentality now, especially seeing how much Lost Box and Gardevoir is being played. Um, 
I've really liked talking about that Urshifu list, and uh, unfortunately, I just think it has too many bad matchups. One of them being Mew Path um, is just so difficult to overcome. The Inteleons have such a low HP base, and it's you know it. And you don't hit into Gudra or Duraludon for anything resembling like good damage without path yourself. So um, I think it struggles there. Another deck that I think has kind of been on the radar that people aren't playing enough of is Suzuki and Zoroark V. Uh, V-Star, that is. Um, it's a beat stick deck. You know, there's Melanie and Empoleon versions of it that I think people haven't ex- um, tested enough with. It's got some unfavorable matchups, but sometimes if you can just outpace your opponent um, and spread damage counters where you need them and fix some math on things you wouldn't be able to realistically hit before, um, I think that that Zoroark has potential to be, you know, something people need to be aware of. And then last is probably going to be Darkrai, uh, a deck that has an incredibly high damage output and has a lot of variety of attackers in it, but... You know, when you play 15 energy in a deck, you tend to brick. So uh, that's something I definitely think people need to also keep uh, in mind when, uh, you know, teching for the rest of this format that's quickly going to turn into Paldea Evolved. Um, I don't think it's unlikely for people to play something like that. Yeah, um, I actually completely forgot about Darkrai. I do think that is another one of those decks, just like Maridon, where if you have a run hot day, um, you hit everything... It does well, but like you said, when you're running that many energies, you tend to, you know, kind of get clunky hands here and there, and it just it tends to be a bad day sometimes. Um, but yeah, uh, and then like you said too, with the Urshifu and Teleon, um, same thing. I thought the deck was really cool. It's cool in concept, but I think in practice, especially with what we're seeing in the top uh, top tiers, uh, it just doesn't have the 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 power and momentum to push through all these decks like. Yeah, of course it's going to have a good time into Lost Box. Of course it's going to have a good time into um, something with that is playing Manaphy, like if you know if a Gardevoir accidentally puts it down, or you know I guess they need to put it down, but puts it down at the wrong time. So um, yeah, it's just it, it is a cool deck, but I think it's more of a fun deck than it is a high competitive deck, even though it does have like a high skill skill ceiling as well too. Yeah, I played it to locals a couple weeks ago. Um, and it's such a combo reliant deck. It doesn't have a consistent line of play. You need to kind of create a board state that Radiant Serena doesn't exist on. And it's, uh, it's just difficult. You know, I don't think it has a favorable matchup is the issue. And I, it's like you said, fun to play, but it's very, very quick to brick in the times where you need it to kind of be that back and forth competitive play. Yeah, and then going back to, I know you mentioned Hizui and Zoroark V-Star, um, something that we haven't really seen too much of, um, it kind of like, you know, pops in here and there, one or two people play it, and then it kind of disappears again. Um, if it does make a comeback, I know one of my local buddies, Kyle, will be ecstatic. He's been, he's loved that deck since it pretty much came out. Um, but yeah, again, just damaging yourself um, is kind of, weird especially whenever one of the best decks right now is lost box which is looking to spread damage counters and chip damage and all this stuff so i think when you're doing something like that um you know it's kind of just you're setting yourself up for uh, a bad time into the top decks um same thing gardevoir ex you know 
with the Zacian V-Star, you put chip damage on your Zoroark V-Star, well, now it's less energy it has to attach to be able to knock you out so, um, and take an extra prize. So, again, another strong deck, but with the top decks we're seeing right now, just a, maybe not the right place, at least in you know with the decks that we expect to see, of, or those types of decks that we're expecting to see. Yeah, I I can't I, I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, specifically though, like if I need to put some context on this, the decks that I talked about before kind of like should be in that like tier three point five conversation. I don't think any of the you know previously mentioned decks break that tier two tier one conversation just because you know they they have such a good matchup spread at the top. Uh, but that basically breaks down what the format kind of looks like going into Portland. I'm very excited to see what people play. Uh, obviously, there's a control aspect with Penny out there on the surface somewhere. And, you know, I don't think Sanders going to be there. But I know that Stefan Ivanov and I think Tord Reklev are both going to be there as well. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what they play. Obviously not control. But I would imagine one of them playing Gardevoir and one of them playing Gudra. <laughs> <laughs> And we're going to step into the card spotlight. The card spotlight is none other than Penny. It is a new supporter card that came out in Scarlet Violet. It allows you to put one of your basic Pokemon and all attached cards into your hand. Justin, do you have any thoughts on Penny? I think it's a great card, actually. I think it's, um, you know, when we first initially saw it, when we hear, you know, or saw the caveat of the basic Pokemon aspect, um, it's kind of like, well, it's good, but... It's got to be a basic, and when we were coming into the format, we were looking at things like Kiratina being the big deck, Arceus decks being the big decks, you know, these Stage 1s and Stage 2s, so you're instantly like, oh, well, those aren't basic, so this card's trash. Um, now that we're seeing that there are a lot of basic Pokemon and ba- decks with basic Pokemon coming in, um, we're seeing a lot more play with this, and I think for a good reason. Uh, one of the biggest combos being the fact that you can play Luminion down, and then be able to get rid of your Luminion with the Penny itself. So, um, you know, the following turn, so you play Luminion, get the support you need for turn, next turn you go back, Penny it away, so it's not a sitting target on your bench. Um, other, you know, other aspects are if you have something that gets damaged and isn't fully knocked out, um, you know, be able to bring that back to your hand. Um, and then, of course, the Sander aspect of control, where you do not knock out and you just loop it over and over and over again. So... Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a great card that uh, sorry I can't talk originally was underrated, but um, it's going to continue continue to see a lot of play at least while uh, big basics are you know running the format. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, if Lost Box is going to be as good as it is, it's very important to um, have that potential to throw off a bunch of their math and kind of set them back one or two turns. I know that using this in lineage with the um zashin v in the gardevoir deck was kind of spicy it's like it's not like a necessary tech but it's a spicy tech for sure uh because you're gonna run into one of those issues where maybe they trap you and now that all that energy is on the zashin uh you don't get to move it around to any of your other attackers and you really don't want to leave it in the active and have it get traded out with the single prizer so this allows you to put the zashin plus all the energy back in your hand you know, hit a big fat research and now you have mobile energy again and no damage counters on a two prize liability to set up a multi-prize turn. Uh, Penny's also great for the uh, Tyranitars and the other basic Pokemon and things like Lugia. Uh, so they don't necessarily get stuck and you get to play around with your energy just a little bit more. Uh, 
but Penny has a whole lot of stuff going for it. I am happy that it is a basic Pokemon caveat because if you gave every deck Sharon's care, um, it would be a lot less fun of a format. So, uh, Penny is a very good card. Make sure you grab a playset. I'm sure the full arts aren't going for a whole lot right now, and I know this card's like 16 cents. So, uh, yeah, definitely hunt some of these down for yourself. And I think, uh, uh, sorry, I, just before we move on to um, next format too, Paldea Evolved, I think it'll see a lot of play because we're going to be getting all those really strong basic Pokemon in, um, I think it's like Ting Lu and uh, not Baxcalibur, but the uh, Chen Pao and stuff like that. So again, uh, big strong basics, and I think this card will see a lot of play coming next format. So grab the full arts while you can because they will probably go up. Um, I know the the alt art is actually still relatively affordable um, for an alt art because I pulled one this weekend. I think it was like fourteen bucks when I looked it up, which um, it's fourteen bucks, but it's still a lot cheaper than a lot of alt arts are. Yep, very very cool. Um, but you're realistically just going to use it to pick up the squawkabilly, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can use it again. You're, yes, like <laughs> first turn. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, so we're going to step into some news. Uh, League Cups and challenges are everywhere right now. It's great to see players out in the wild and challenging their locals for uh, increments of CP and prizing. But Play Pokemon is revoking some of the local league status because they aren't selling Pokemon products. On one hand, this is a solid business move by Pokemon uh, by encouraging product sales and sustaining the business. But on the other hand, it's kind of limiting the amount of venues that are able to host cups and challenges that really stem from the grassroots of most player bases. Um, I have no previous experience with this, but I have talked to a few people who have, and it does kind of suck that like your local library league um, is no longer going to be supported uh, in allowing them to run events that can offer CP, let alone any prizing. But you know, when you look at it from a business perspective, you do want people to come into a shop, buy a Pokemon product, and you also want the shop to have a consistent influx of Pokemon product coming in to, you know, help their back end. Because it's really cool giving the prize packs and all of this other fun stuff out as prizing. But, you know, it, they both parties have to help each other. And I think when it's a one-sided relationship that, yes, grows the player base. Unfortunately, the player base is such a small percentage of Pokemon's business entirely that it they only stand to benefit from only including stores that sell pokemon product what are your thoughts um so there's definitely the two sides of this there's um so for one side um yes it 100% sucks that leagues like the library leagues or you know school leagues and stuff like that or after school leagues um aren't able to host these things obviously because with them being like you know a public library they're not necessarily allowed to sell packs of pokemon I don't 100% know that for a fact. Maybe there is a way they can go in and do that because I think I remember as a kid going to Books a Million and I know that's not a public library, but buying packs of Pokemon cards. Um, but so that, that aspect definitely sucks because we obviously want to grow this game. Um, the other side of it is uh, you also have shops and people who get registered to do these events just for the pure sake of bringing in the people and making money and they could care less how the tournament itself is actually ran. So if you have someone that's got the invested interest of they have product, they want people to continue to come back and buy product when there's not an event going on, um, you don't want someone going, hey, it's a league challenge, it's $10, 
and we don't have packs to give you or anything. You're just going to potentially get CP. Thanks for coming in and giving us $10 per person and see you when it's all said and done. So there's that aspect as well, too. Um, you know, that's that's where I'm seeing that they're probably looking at it as is, oh, these shops that aren't even, you know, buying stuff from us are using our uh, league our leagues as a way to make money off of Pokemon, but they don't want to actually sell our product. So we're going to pull that back. Um, but in the crossfire, that is where the library leagues and stuff are getting hit, unfortunately. You know, if I had to speculate, of course. Yeah, I, I mean, if I'm going to speculate too, I would have to assume all of these people coming to social media uh, from a collector standpoint and just ripping Series 2 packs on stream and posting all of their polls and, you know, trying to flip all of the singles that they get out of these Series 2 packs as opposed to distributing them to the players at any level um, would kind of leave a sour taste in my mouth. And I'm sure that that caused a mild uproar um, in some, you know, behind closed door conversations between shops and Pokemon. It did make sense, um, you know, and it would it if you cast a wide net over everybody who is selling and not selling, you can really weed out who is just benefiting from the product they're getting from pokemon and not distributing it to players um and then i believe if you put out you know if you send an email like this you're expecting some sort of response and if that response ends up being a conversation between you know the library school you know collegiate or um it's like non-shop leagues and they kind of like find a middle ground where they're like yeah you can continue to run cp and stuff we just like need to tell everybody that they're on thin ice or like they're being watched or you know we're going to revoke your privileges to do this because one bad apple and stuff like that and those who put in the effort and want to make sure that they can run these leagues and consistently uh host tournaments and you know introduce more players uh i I think that that's probably the silver lining to this whole conversation is maybe that just went out to let people know if they don't try to make an effort that they're just going to seize product and not let you run your league. Yeah, the uh, the pop packs are actually, the prize packs are, is a good point as well too because uh, technically even once they're opened in the individual cards inside, um, shops that are sanctions um, aren't allowed to sell those. Um, so, you know, I don't know if people necessarily know that, but like the shop that I went to the challenge to this past weekend um, I made some trades into the shop for, like I mentioned earlier, some cards for some retro decks. Um, and as he was going through my stuff, my trade binder, he was like, started pulling out some of those cards. And I was just like, hey, just as a heads up, you know, you can't like sell those if you get them. I mean, I want store credit, obviously, but and they're like, oh, yeah, no, 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 these are for my personal deck. I'm like, okay, just making sure. But yeah, they even knew it's like, hey, we can't like sell these and stuff like that. So some shops don't realize that. And maybe that's where they're also getting, like you said, getting in trouble as well because. They're selling their pack, their prize packs instead of giving them out as prizes. Yeah. No, I tend to agree. And I, I pulled the uh, the League RCSV star this weekend. So, I mean, it would be really cool to go find a place to go buy the other three that I need so I could have a matching playset. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm content with one. But it's weird because, like, on TCG Player, they're selling them. But I guess that those are just individual sellers and not necessarily affiliated with shops. So uh, not a whole lot of witch hunting to be due to be done there yeah they're not actually um you know tcg player itself's not sanctioned so i guess technically they could probably do it there yeah 
Uh, but just to wrap up the whole story, I really hope that Pokemon kind of looks at its grassroots programs, if you will, with all of these uh, leagues that have introduced the game to so many players who are very heavily involved in it now and allow them to continue running um, these programs while finding a comfortable medium without saying, you need to be a storefront or you get nothing. Yep, I agree. I definitely think there should be a... Um good conversation between those people and you know hopefully they get it all corrected and we can get all these leagues back uh going yep nope for sure all right we're gonna dive into the listener question this one actually comes from one of my locals uh my lcs has no motivation to execute a league in my area what are my options i already have an answer it's a terrible answer but i'm gonna throw it over to you for you to shed some light on it this is another one that's kind of hard for me um Obviously, like I mentioned before, being in the Florida area, there's shops literally everywhere. Um, so for me, it's just as easy as, okay, I'll make a little bit more of a drive and go to a different shop. Um, I And realistically, my somewhat locals that I actually haven't been to in a while um, are, have a kind of similar issue where it seems like, like the motivation is there to go, but the follow-up is not there so it's like they don't even have like they're sanctioned but they don't even have their cup or challenges approved uh, or anything and even like the team challenge i technically won their team challenge but they never submitted anything and so we never got to participate in the team challenge so um because of that lately i've been choosing to go to other shops uh in my area you know that are sanctioned as well that are putting in the effort to do cups and challenges and things like that so um you know, it's one of those things where I'm not saying like, I'm obviously not supporting them because they've been my local shop for years and I, I still support them when I can. But like for me, I'm, you know, if I were in your shoes, if you go to a different league, that's less money coming into their shop because you're going to a different shop. And maybe that kind of goes, you know, they start going, well, why aren't people coming? It's like, well, because you guys aren't, you know, wanting to run a league. So why would we come here? We're going to go to the place that has a league that wants to support us by making sure they have the league and products and things like that. So that's my loose answer of being, you know, privileged enough to have, you know, 15 shops within an hour driving distance of me, probably maybe 15, maybe even more. Um, So that's where, from my perspective is, uh, what about you, Drew? All right. So there's two options realistically in my head. One is to have an open line of communication with the shop owners themselves. There are, you know, the TOs, the judges, the employees at locals, they don't necessarily get to make those decisions. What has to happen is you need to talk to store owners and operators and stuff like that and make sure that they're on the same page and understand the benefits of creating an atmosphere where people can come compete because people travel for cups and challenges. They make great strides to bring tons of business into stores Um, If you want to sell all your product, you know, you're getting people from all different walks of life that might want all of your anime statues or might want all of your stuffies and stuff like that. So you only stand to benefit from hosting these things. And I think that conveying that message as opposed to, you know, just being bummed out that they're not running anything and you have no say because you don't work for them or work with them. um, I think that could all be satisfied with a nice uh, line of communication the other thing is boycott the store see how long it takes for them to get their stuff together and you know just go about playing pokemon uh, if you will uh, 
um, or as you will, if um, but definitely make an effort to consistently get your repetition in, play Pokemon, and I don't want to say like make them jealous, but definitely let them see what impact the Pokemon community has on shops and how bad things can get if they don't come consistently. So those are kind of your two options. I know what store we're talking about, and I am also very frustrated with them. But at the same time, I am very lucky to have a store pretty close to me. Um, you know, 20 minute drive is not that bad, you know, but driving five minutes like I usually do would be a lot nicer. So uh, that's basically my answer to it. Do you have anything else to say on this topic? Um, I mean, yeah, we we all know the stores that are, you know, my money is in magic, so I'm just going to support the magic. If you guys want to play Pokemon, do it unsanctioned, whatever. But, yeah, uh, the communication is a really good one. Um, my situation, there is the communication, and there is the, like I said, local league aspect, but the follow-through is not there. And then there's just other shops in the area that are like, yeah, we're not a Pokemon store. Like, you want to come play One Piece? We'll play One Piece. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm good. I want to play Pokemon. So, um, yeah, just... Try as much as you can, and if not, maybe it's time to find another store or start a uh, library league. Yeah, for sure. Or join the uh, PCS Patreon and join our webcam locals. That's a fun place to play. We have similar prizing to leagues and cups. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right, and if you guys have any other questions for us that you want to hear answered on the pod, make sure you hit up our Twitter at PCS underscore pod. Uh, Patreon Discord update. Uh, Congratulations to me for winning the first PCS webcam locals. Um, Everyone showed up with great decks. We had some really close matchups. And our next webcam locals will be May 24th at 6 p.m. and it will be in the standard format. GLC will resume in June as a bonus tournament on top of us having standard webcam locals in June as well. Uh, The date and times for those will be determined later. Justin, anything to add to that? I wish I was there uh, when we, when you guys did it. I I can't remember if I was sick or if I was busy for work, but I know there was. I had planned to be there, and then I just could not make it. So, uh, apologize to everyone in the Patreon for that. Um, hopefully, this coming one, I will be able to make it happen. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna bring the pain this time if I can make it. <laughs> yeah, very cool, very cool. Uh, so it's about that time of the podcast where we make predictions for the next event, Justin. You go first. Predictions for the Portland Regional. So because we saw a huge lack of it, um, I think something Giratina is going to make a hot run. Um, Gardevoir is a great call as well. It's just, like I said, I feel like everyone and their mothers is playing it, which means everyone and their mothers is looking to counter it. Suing Guja is also looking pretty good right now. Oh, I I think I'm gonna go with a hot streak. Uh, Arctina list is gonna gonna win the whole thing. Very cool, very cool. Um, as much as it pains me to say it, I think that Lugia has something in its back pocket that people aren't expecting. Uh, something consistent like a Sharon's Care type of deal. Um. Not that I necessarily want that to be the case, but I think it's definitely on the horizon. Um, And then I do think that there are a handful of really good Tina players coming from my area uh, that could potentially show up and show out. 
But in my brain, I'm seeing a Lost Box versus Lugia finals, which seems so boring because that's what we just dealt with for the past X amount of events. But I'd say it's probably going to be Lost Box and Lugia in the final, and Lost Box wins. Which, uh, which version? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably like Variety Attacker with the Raikou, the Skyseal Stone, or up. Yeah, let's go Sky Silstone. Sky Silstone with the Drapions, the Dragonites, and the Raikus. Yeah, I think that's a really strong deck right now, personally, so that's a good call. I've seen the ones that run like the One Sky, the One Forest, and the issue I have with that combo is you're drawing off the top of the deck. That, that You don't run an Arvin, so you can't just go select it when you need it, but maybe that's the spicy tech for the weekend. Lost Box with Arvin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, and that basically wraps up the show. Justin, why don't you go ahead and plug it up? All right, guys. If you guys want to find me on Twitter, my handle is PokeBrewsTCG. And if you want to find me on Instagram, my handle is PokeBrews. Uh, Instagram is the easiest way to reach me currently. Uh, but on both socials, you can find my Linktree account where you can find things like my TCG player affiliate link. If you use that link, any shopping you do directly supports the show and upcoming regionals expenses all while costing you guys nothing extra. You can also find things like our PCS Podcast official merchandise by Bonfire. That link is bonfire.com slash store slash pcspod. Uh, we'll also have a Twitch channel coming soon where we'll be live streaming the pod every week as well as doing some tabletop games. And you can find that at twitch.tv slash pcspod. And on to you, Drew. All right. And if you want to find me on YouTube, Twitter, or Instagram, I am Katana TCG. And when you're sleeving up your favorite deck or storing your collection, uh, make sure you're using the premium accessories provided by Ultimate Guard. The easiest way to get your hands on the full line of their current product um, is on Amazon.com, or you can win some stuff by playing in our events or partaking in our monthly giveaway. Uh, They did just release three new colors of their mildly transparent boulder in like a purple and a darker green and like a lighter red. Very, very cool. Uh, And then make sure you're also joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash pcspodcast. Uh, joining the Patreon means you get entries to the monthly giveaway, entrance to the PCS locals, and you can find out about our dice program to win some really cool stuff. And that about does it for the show, man. Sign us off. We'll see you guys after Portland. See ya.